mornings. I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, it's now exactly seven weeks away. Will the solar eclipse end up helping or hurting local businesses? The Findlay-Hancock County Chamber of Commerce has some advice for companies in preparing for April's Big Celestial Show. Also this morning, longtime Findlay City Council member Jim Slough discusses his decision to step away from local politics and his bid for a seat on the Ohio Republican Party Central Committee. And in the wake of Valentine's Day, how to spot and avoid the potential of being taken in by a financially devastating romance scam. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Monday, February 19th, 2024. So I know that technically uh, the, the snow is a good thing, right? Because it, it provides that insulation for our lawns and the uh, plants uh, so that they don't get too cold with the, with the weather. The snow is uh, an insulator. And, of course, for uh, you know, the uh, farmers, agriculture, uh, we want the uh, uh, good solid snow cover in the winter. Um, it's, it's better for us ecologically. But... All that being said, I'm over it. <laughs> I'm ready for it to be done. I, I don't know about I don't know about you. Uh, this is kind of cool, though. Speaking of the cold weather, I saw this on the uh, Newswire this morning. Um, this is pretty interesting. The FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, has now granted approval for the first medication to treat severe frostbite. Uh, it is called Iloprost, and it aims to reduce the risk of dangerously cold temperatures on one's extremities. I mean, we're not talking about mild frostbite. We're talking about severe frostbite. This would be used uh, in those instances where someone is at risk of amputation of their fingers or toes. Uh, now, this is not a new drug. It's been around for a while, initially approved for treating pulmonary arterial hypertension. But the FDA says it marks a significant development in addressing the condition of severe frostbite. So, and again, that's not to say that you don't want to go out without your woolly socks and mittens today. Um, But if you find yourself an extreme case of frostbite, apparently we have a a medication that that can help prevent the loss of an extremity because of it. I'm interesting. Uh, speaking of the weather, we've had, uh, crazy weather really all across the country. We've been following the news, uh, over the past couple of weeks. It's been just one crazy weather story after another, uh, coast to coast. And it's not just on land, apparently. On Saturday, a powerful jet stream generated winds of 265 miles an hour at 35,000 feet above sea level. And you know what happens at 35,000 feet. That's where planes fly, at 35,000 feet. And so, as a result, you had some very interesting uh, happenings at 35,000 feet on Saturday. Uh, Now, if you've ever flown on an airplane, you know that going west to east, if you get into that jet stream that it can uh, it can push the plane and uh, it, it makes planes fly faster. 
Well, in this case, 265. Now, this, by the way, uh, according to the National Weather Service, is the second highest wind speed ever recorded at this altitude. Ever. Uh, 265 miles an hour. Um, and so this was, was very rare. I mean, it's not usually that strong. But uh, like, as as is typically the case when planes go west-east, uh, the, the jet stream can help push the planes along. And that's what happened on Saturday. A Virgin Atlantic flight departing from Dulles International Airport in Washington, headed toward London, so west to east in this case, landed 45 minutes ahead of schedule. 45 minutes. Now, I've been on flights that have arrived, you know, five minutes early or 10 minutes early because, and the and the pilot will come on the uh, loudspeaker and say, yeah, because of a uh, strong tailwind, we're going to get in, to our, we're going to arrive at our destination a few minutes early, and usually it's you know five ten minutes. Forty five minutes ahead of schedule on a transatlantic flight is pretty significant. As a matter of fact, they say at least three commercial aircraft attained speeds exceeding eight hundred miles an hour because of the tailwind. <laughs> eight hundred miles an hour. So. Wow, and that was uh, on Saturday. Now, here's the thing, and the story doesn't say this, uh, doesn't talk about this uh, on the uh, Newswire story. What about those flights that were going east to west? I mean, if you were flying New York to L.A. and uh, or, you know, Columbus to Seattle or something like that, uh, you're probably, you're fighting that 260 mile an hour uh, headwind. And so... That'll slow you down, or at the very least, it'll burn through a heck of a lot more fuel than what you normally would. But I would be interested to see what the arrival times were for planes that had to fight that headwind. But for for those who were flying west to east, that's pretty incredible there. Uh, Some of the other most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day to get your Monday morning started. Some amazing science here. Apparently, a shallow lake in Canada could hold the key to the origin of life on Earth. (laughs) A shallow lake in Canada, of all places. Scientists are exploring the possibility that the origin of all life approximately 4 billion years ago may have occurred at a now barren volcanic landscape with shallow bodies of water rather than an ocean setting. A recent study conducted at a lake in British Columbia, Canada, provides new evidence supporting this theory. The lake's very specific blend of chemicals and physical conditions resembles the conditions believed to have existed at the emergence of life on our planet. So think about this. Um... I mean, every uh, every country, every state, every town likes to be first in something. You know what I mean? Uh, everybody loves to be the first. This is where this happened first. You know, a lot of places will. But that's like the ultimate first. <laughs> this lake in uh, British Columbia can actually claim this was, you know, first. Ohio, this is first in flight. Um you know, birth of uh, birthplace of aviation. North Carolina, I think, actually is, is first in flight because where the Wright brothers first flew. Um, you know, everybody has to be first at something. Um, <laughs> British Columbia, they can say first with life. That's that's hard to beat. That's it's a pretty big deal, I guess.
By the way, speaking of uh, amazing science, did you hear this? Uh, the other day, uh, Apple came out with a, uh, I guess there's a press statement or uh, something. They have actually gone on record now as saying that when or if and when your iPhone gets wet, don't put it in a bag of rice. You know, that's the that's been the longstanding remedy when you get your device wet is to put it in a bag of rice, right? And people, some people swear that it actually works. But Apple says it is not an effective way to dry out your electronic device. According to a new post on the Apple support site, putting a wet iPhone into a bag or a bowl of rice can cause, cause small, par- small particles of the rice to damage the internal components of the iPhone. Um, so, instead, they say, if and when you get an alert warning, because iPhones have this liquid detection feature now, sends an alert warning that your phone is wet, and you should wait to charge it. So, number one, wait to charge it. When the uh, liquid detection alert pops up, Apple says do not plug a cable into the phone until both are completely dry, and uh, then gently tap the phone against your hand to help remove the excess liquid. Apple says the phone should be kept in a dry area with some airflow, and uh, after at least 30 minutes, you can try charging it again. So they say it may take uh, a day or even longer to fully dry out. Apparently, you don't put it in in a bag of rice. I, I have always been of the mind that, you know what? And it's worth a shot. I mean, if it doesn't work, your device is probably ruined. You're going to have to replace it anyway. So if it works, great. If it doesn't, you're not any worse off than you were before. But Apple says, no, don't do that. So you make of that what you will. And finally this morning, among the first things you need to know, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day, you can dismiss that work-related dread as a case of the Mondays. But the fact is, burnout at work is such a serious problem that it is recognized as an occupational issue by the World Health Organization. How about that? Uh, So if you're feeling it today, you're feeling the Mondays, it may be more serious than that. Um, It does say here in this uh, story what exactly feeling burned out is hasn't always been clear, though. Its symptoms vary from person to person. And in many cases, it's hard to see Uh, It's hard to see that proverbial wall before you hit it. It's hard to see it coming. That is until now, according to researchers at the Norwegian University of Science and Technology. They say they have created a tool that can detect when employees are in danger of having it up to here with their jobs before it happens. The burnout assessment tool has been successfully tested in a study involving 500 workers in Norway, according to a recently published study in the Scandinavian Journal of Psychology. The tool creates a comprehensive measure of four key burnout risk factors, exhaustion, mental distancing, cognitive impairment, and emotional impairment. Uh, This tool, this uh, burnout assessment tool, has been called significant as the university points out that there is no international standard for assessing burnout. 
And this tool has been designed to do that across cultural and other spectrums. The lead study of the uh, the lead author of the study uh, uh, warns of the long-term consequences of not addressing worker burnout, uh, even if individual treatments help uh, helps a if, even if individual treatment helps a burned-out employee. It is of little use if people return to a workplace where the demands are too high and there are too few resources. So, interesting. I don't know if this is commercially available. I don't know where you would uh, you would find it, but uh, I would assume that it will, at some point in the future, if not already, be available uh, commercially and people can use the burnout assessment tool. Kind of interesting. Uh, there you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Monday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchak. Your WTOL 11 weather, partly to mostly sunny skies today, a high in the low 40s, partly cloudy tonight, uh, low in the mid 20s. The Finley Police Department says an officer tried to stop a vehicle in the 200 block of Western Avenue on Saturday night for numerous traffic violations. But the vehicle fled from the officer, and the officer pursued the vehicle for several miles. The pursuit ended on Township Road 218 in Van Buren. The driver and one of the passengers of the vehicle fled on foot, and the driver fired a shot from a handgun at the officer. The officer was not struck by the gunshot. The passenger who fled and another occupant of the vehicle were later caught and detained. But police say the driver, identified as Arthur R.C. Hall III, stole a vehicle and fled to Lucas County, where he was apprehended by Toledo police. Get more in the story on our website. Democrats at the Ohio State House have introduced new legislation to tackle gun violence. The new bills were shared at the first ever gun violence prevention summit at the state house. They announced bills to declare gun violence a public health crisis. Other new bills introduced would prevent known domestic violence abusers from having guns and call for common sense concealed carry universal background checks, as well as an Ohio task force on gun violence. Onan's Jay Crawford reporting. The Ohio State Highway Patrol says Upper Sandusky residents Mary Harbor and Wilma Savage joined the state Saved by the Belt Club after their safety belt saved them from sustaining life-threatening injuries in a crash on U.S. 23 in September. The Highway Patrol says Mary and Wilma are living testimonies to the effectiveness of safety belts and everyone needs to buckle up every trip, every time. See a picture of the award presentation and the story on our website. The Ohio High School Athletic Association has approved a proposal to expand divisions for postseason tournaments in seven sports. Now, the changes mean boys and girls soccer will move to five divisions, while girls volleyball, girls and boys basketball, softball and baseball will now have seven divisions. The OHSAA say these changes will help smaller schools compete against other schools their size. I'm Yolanda Harris. Remember, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. So our cover story this morning, the countdown continues. We are now exactly seven weeks away from the big solar eclipse on Monday, April 8th. And the Finley-Hancock County Chamber of Commerce has some advice for companies in preparing for the big celestial show. 
Uh, Chamber Director Dion Neubauer is with us in the uh, studio this morning. Dion, thanks very much for uh, dropping by, first of all. Good morning, it. Chris. You say seven weeks, I say 49 days. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that too, that too. So you can uh, count it down however you like, but Absolutely. this is kind of like a like the Christmas countdown um, yes. in, in a way. It's a big event. Everybody's looking forward to it. Um, some folks probably looking forward to it being over because it will be such a uh, disruption. But as we've talked about in the past, that's maybe the the biggest challenge is in the unknown. We really don't know what to really expect here. A lot of unknowns. I think one of the million-dollar question is how many people are actually going to be coming to Finley and Hancock County? Mm-hmm. You know, our safety services have been planning for well over two years for this big event. Yeah. But nonetheless, you know, we're excited. There's a lot to celebrate with the total solar eclipse. Sure. Opportunity to welcome visitors into our community. Mm-hmm. But now is the time to prepare. Right. And and it's interesting you mentioned that. Obviously, it is an opportunity. And I, I'm curious your take on this, because when I first learned, when I first heard that we were going to be in the path of totality for this uh, solar eclipse, my first thought was, wow, what an opportunity. We can have a celebration like this town has never seen before. Yes. And yet then it begins to sink in what that really means. And it seems as though the emphasis has shifted to from some big celebration to many of the powers that be saying, you know, we don't want you to do really anything uh, (laughs) on that day. And it almost seems, uh, I, I know that's the right decision, but it almost seems like an opportunity not wasted necessarily, but we haven't maybe not able to capitalize fully on it. I think it's important as you um, shared, there are a lot of layers to the total solar eclipse and Mm -hmm. from business prepared standpoint, you know, we are really encouraging our employers to, you know, determine what is their business operations look like that day and have Mm -hmm. the communication plans with their employees. Will they be open? Are they adjusting their hours? Will they have remote work for those who can do it? But even those who will be working remotely you know that may be affected too from a technology standpoint right. so conversations need to be had with the employers really right now and and that brings up the the big question will the eclipse end up helping or hurting local businesses i think it actually could be both i mean it's an opportunity to spotlight to area businesses mm-hmm. you know our restaurants or services because people are coming to finley for the first time and Mm -hmm. an opportunity for them to come back at a later time. So absolutely an opportunity for our local area businesses, but also we need to take care of our residents as well Mm -hmm. and our local businesses. You know, we talk about planning um, with those communications plans. Are those businesses going to be open? But the employees also need to be checking with their daycares. We know schools are going to be closed. So what are the daycares doing? We know some Mm -hmm. of them are starting to cancel and even now is a prime time for businesses to start asking their suppliers. For example, those who yeah. are ordering business supplies, um, deliveries from Amazon, UPS, from the floor mats to the linen delivery to the Culligan waters, yeah. need to have those conversations. Mm-hmm. What are their, um, will they be delivering? Mm-hmm. And if anything, get those orders in early. Yeah. Uh, and there's discussion over... It- some of the things that we see whenever we have a big 
natural disaster. We see a, a, a big snowstorm and you have a rush on the uh, grocery stores and shelves are empty. And there's the potential uh, for that for a different reason. Just so many people uh, being in gas stations running out of uh, out of fuel or, uh, you know, restaurants running out of food uh, right. because they're being so uh, inundated with uh, with things. So a lot of different things that a lot of moving parts. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so communications, conversations have been happening with local retailers, um, grocery stores and so forth. But uh, we're finding that even those who are coming into the area will probably be um, coming into the stores looking for those camping type supplies. Mm. But nonetheless, for our residents, it's a good reminder that before that Friday, before April 5th, right. you should have your groceries, you should have your gas. <laughs> We're going to see your, your medication. Be very busy that weekend yes, before. Yes, plan yeah. ahead. Going to be that uh, ahead. very busy that, that weekend before. So what are some of the, and I know you've been running uh, some advertisements, people might have been uh, hearing some of these yes. with some thought starters, some ideas. What are some of the recommendations that you are making uh, to local businesses when they inquire, what do I need to do? What do I need to think about here? First, let me share that FinleySolarEclipse2024.com is the website. It's constantly being updated. It's an opportunity for residents and businesses to frequent this website because it talks about things for the employers, things for the residents, but Things also, you know, where are the viewing locations going to be? Certainly, we were encouraging people to, you know, now's an opportunity to celebrate the science uh, with your family and friends and neighbors. Because, um, again, we just don't know how many people are coming to community, but, but we're going to be prepared for them as mm-hmm. well. An opportunity to showcase. So have those communication plans in place with your family, but also with your employer Plan early, get those groceries and your gas tanks filled. Check on your medical appointments too. Because, you know, Chris, we've been talking about leading up in the day of the solar eclipse, but we have to remember we're not sure how many people are coming. Mm-hmm. So that Tuesday, the day after, our commute times into work. Yeah, could be delayed just a little bit as well. Yeah, so we need to keep that in mind. With respect to kind of gauging what we can expect uh, in terms of the influx of people, obviously the first time, and I know that uh, you're monitoring this as, as are all of the uh, powers of the be, all of the entities that have a, all of the stakeholders in this. Uh, hotel rates, reservation rates, Airbnbs, you know, all of those types of things, and. If you do a search, uh, a simple search for a hotel room or an Airbnb in or around Findlay uh, for that weekend, there aren't a whole lot of availabilities uh, out there. But then beyond that, you also have the people who may come in just for the day and try to drive out that same day. True. There will be some people who do that. That's the great unknown. (laughs) That's the great unknown. But what we are learning and, you know, Special thanks goes out to our safety services personnel and law enforcement because, again, they have been championing this. They have been planning for two years mm-hmm. on this. You know, even those who are traveling on I-75, we know that there's a good possibility that people, believe it, be it or not, yeah. it could be a parking, lot. Be a parking lot. Absolutely. Yeah. But we do anticipate people starting to come in that Friday, April 5th, and mm-hmm. then they're going to be figuring out exactly where their location will be by monday yeah and then solar eclipse will happen we'll appreciate that and marvel in its beauty and then 
it could be a mass exodus yeah. trying to get out of Finley yeah. Pink County. And, and, and we were talking about that uh, not long ago with uh, with the sheriff. If you have ever gone to the Fourth of July fireworks at the fairgrounds or balloon fest at the end of the night or the Halloween parade, it's not such a big deal getting in, but everybody leaves at the same time. Yes. And you know what kind of a and, – and take that to the – nth degree and you can get an idea of what we're going to be faced for is is this um a a situation where the recommendation for non-essential businesses is to just close you know what i think we've learned from code is like every business is essential yeah but it's up to them to make their decisions on what their operations looks like i believe what we're encouraging for our residents if you don't have to maneuver around the community, yeah. don't kind of stay in place. Yeah. You know, again, bring that family together, your neighborhoods together, mm-hmm. kind of walk as much as you possible. Because again, our community has not, we've not been part of this before. So this is new for us. Right. So we don't know what those traffic patterns will be, but we know that our safety services are going to do their best to help navigate um, those who are coming in our community. So, they get right back on I-75 or wherever their next destination is. What has been, as you talk to local businesses uh, of all types, um, are they looking forward to this or are they dreading this? You know, it's a little bit of both. There's an excitement around the total solar eclipse, as there should be. The size, mm-hmm. I mean, the next one in Ohio doesn't take place till the year 2099. Yeah. But the same token, you know, they want to, they're taking care of their employees, their safety to and from work. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, they have parking lots. What will that look like? Will mm-hmm. visitors just come into their parking lots? You know, and how does that work for... And what does staffing look like if we are going to be open, like at a restaurant or or something? Exactly. What does staffing look like? And along with that, with the restaurants, we know that, you know, our restaurants don't necessarily have the storage capacity for extra inventory. Mm -hmm. So, you know, perhaps a specialty menu needs to be created, a very limited menu, um, knowing that, um, again... We're yeah. not sure how many people are coming right. in, but if you have that limited menu, that grab and go type of concept, mm-hmm. you know, that's something to be considered. Yeah. A lot of things. A lot and, of moving and pieces. Again, uh, you have some advice. You can help uh, businesses kind of uh, talk through this and, and create that plan. Absolutely. And there's a lot of people that are coming together, have been coming together for well over a year. And collaboration you know finley hinkett county takes great pride in its collaboration and so yes we are just one um one organization who can help but certainly finley solar eclipse 2024.com is a, a great resources. resource a lot of for resources everyone there. yeah uh seven weeks away countdown is on and again uh finley hancock county chamber of commerce director dion neubauer with us this morning talking about some of the uh, plans that are being made on the business end of things to deal with this uh and the great unknown that goes along with it dion thanks very much for taking the time we appreciate it now we are joined in the studio by longtime finley city council member jim slough you recall that uh, not long ago, he decided to step away from local politics and instead launch a bid for a seat on the Ohio Republican Party Central Committee. Jim Slough, thanks very much for being with us today. Well, thank we you for having me, Chris. It's, how, a, it's been how many years on, on city council? 
Uh, I'm gonna. I I don't. I can't honestly give you a, a specific number. But <laughs> well, that been, tells you how long it's but, been. But if it's you been, can't remember how it's long been it's been over twenty years. <laughs> it's been, been over a long twenty time. years. Why the decision to step down? I mean, what uh, what decided led to that decision to say, hey, you know, it's time to step away from this? I just because I've been. I I, I think I've been doing it for so many years. Mm-hmm that um you know once you've done something for forever mm-hmm. it kind of loses its allure and it it lost it and now i've got it back and it's just it's something that is part of me and and the thing that gets me most more than anything is that when i was growing up chris i i thought finley was about the crappiest place in the <laughs> world you could ever want to live yeah and uh, I moved to New York City, lived there for a while, and uh, saw what the other half yeah. is like. Yeah, that grass and is always greener that's, that's, kind of that, thing. That's, a, that's yeah. a beautiful way to put it. And, mm-hmm. and, and it just got to the point where I just decided um, it's time to get married. And I got married and then raised children. And mm-hmm. Finley was 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 the best place to, to go. So what led you, let's kind of step back a little bit, what led you to get involved uh, in local politics to begin with? There was a young lady by the name of Joan Ewell Brown, mm-hmm. and she had decided that I would be a good council person. And uh, they had the wards broken up and uh, differently than they do today and this was for the sixth ward mm-hmm. and so the rest is history i yeah. ran for that seat i was uh, blessed to be elected and as i was elected i just went from year to year to year to year to year mm-hmm. and uh and you've filled a number of roles i mean you've been a ward councilman you've been an out-large councilman you've been council president yes. uh, for all that of all of those experiences i'm, I'm sure that they're all different in certain ways. Maybe uh, being at large versus a ward councilman is uh, the the differences are more subtle than obviously being True. council president. What's been the 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 greatest joy uh, from those various positions? If I if I had to choose, I would I would say probably um, what I've enjoyed the most has been being a ward councilman. Uh, I've I've done all the having that other, defined other, district. Yes, yes, yeah, and I so I've done everything, and that to me brought the greatest pleasure because it's for a specific group. It's not the whole thing, and you can mm-hmm. actually see what you're what you've done and the impact that it's done. Yeah, I I know that <coughs> you've said in in other interviews uh, on this subject when you know. Because the question comes up, why now, uh, quite often, just as we asked. Um, but you said that it's time for a new generation to kind of take over, pick up where you left uh, left off. Do you see that younger generation, that next generation, stepping up? What would be your I, message that's, to that's, that that's generation? A, that's a good question, because um, the, the individuals that I have, met that are new to council mm-hmm. um, have it in their blood and it's it it's being on city council is is you've got to want to do it mm-hmm. because it's it's not 
the real exciting thing. There, yeah. there are certain items that are. Um, you're not going to get rich. On this one, you're not going to get rich, oh. and you're not going to get famous on yeah. it. it. It's just, but you're doing something. We're going to end up on this program, so. It's like there's a certain this level is, of fame. This is involved. this is this is my this is my claim to fame being on the air with me, with you. But they, it, it is a it is a passion, and and there have been there's been a lot of stories uh, over the years over these uh, this next generation of where's where does that passion for the community come from? Because it does seem as though we've lost a bit of that. I I think we have lost some of it. But there are, there's, um, I've um, worked with several new council members, and uh, they've got the fire. And, and that's what it takes. Is it, it, it's not for everybody, mm-hmm. but, it, uh, but it's, uh, um, it's fun. I enjoy it, and, and it will be sadly missed very much on my part. Now, it's not like you're going away uh, entirely. As we mentioned, you have launched a bid for a seat on the Ohio Republican Party Central Committee. Yes. Um, First of all, for the benefit of those who don't really know, and I will have to admit, I'm not real familiar, what is the Republican Party, and both parties have a central committee, but what does the central committee do? What is the function of the party central committee? First and foremost rules and regulations and then secondly um, putting together programs that will advance the party so it's really it's, it's just like running a business that you always have to be proactive and think ahead and do what you have to do in order to move the party along mm-hmm. otherwise it'll be stagnant and people won't care anymore. A lot of behind-the-scenes work. What drew you to that uh, and, and made you decide that that was what you wanted to do next? I can't just stop doing something for the city. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and, and it still kills me because I hated Finley. And... Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> I did as, as, yeah. as, as a kid growing sure. up and couldn't wait to go to the big city. And now, mm-hmm. and now today, uh, having raised a family and everything, it it's, means a lot to me. I, I wonder, too, and, and again, this kind of goes back to uh, what we were talking about uh, before with respect to the younger generation and, and stepping up and do they have that, that, that passion and a lot of people questioning that. Maybe in, in many cases they haven't gotten to that point yet. Uh, that that you did, and I think we all have, uh, because I, I did not grow up in Findlay, but I know the, the town that I did grow up in, again, a small town, couldn't wait to get out, had dreams of, you know, moving to the to the big city and making my mark on the world. I think that's something, that's just part and partial to youth. Absolutely. And then those priorities change as you get older and yes. see, you know, you have other priorities in your life. You, it, it's not a case of, they're not... They're just not there yet. No, I, 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 I yeah. what you say is makes common sense. Sure. It's, 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 yeah, you're right. So, uh, so with respect to the uh, central committee, this is uh, still an elected position, and when people go to the the polls, uh, either if they're voting early starting this week or going to the polls on uh, election day in March next month, uh, they're going to see your name uh, on the ballot. Um. Is there is there such a thing as a platform for a central committee? 
if if there is i'm not aware <laughs> of, uh, of what it is i, I, think, I, mean, that, I mean what do you uh what is the message to voters who are going to see your name uh on the ballot and why should they mark the the ballot for jim slough for central committee well if it's for the way i see it it is is um you're getting an individual that has lived in Finley most of his life, uh, that has seen both sides of the politics and, and, and seen the entire picture. Mm-hmm. And I have a voice which I think is, 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 is good and will be able to um, help make it an input or provide some input as to the direction the city should go. Finley is a, as I said, I, I was not a big Finley person as a mm-hmm. kid growing up. Right. But it has so much potential. Mm-hmm. Its location, uh, the the current administration that we have is is superb. It's just a, it's a great place to live. And, and I wouldn't, Move away from here, if it, <laughs> even if it was everything else was paid for. <laughs> the fool that I am. <laughs> <laughs> Again, uh, Jim Slough, uh, looking to take on a new role with a uh, seat on the Ohio Republican Party Central Committee, moving off of uh, City Council after more than two decades of uh, local public service and. Jim, thanks very much for uh, coming in this morning, kind of reflecting on uh, all of those years uh, in in local politics, and certainly uh, best of luck with the uh, campaign for Central Committee. We well, Chris, I, I I can't thank you enough for taking time to talk with me because uh, um, I remember we've had conversations <laughs> before, and uh, you've always been a gentleman, and you're still a gentleman. Behind the mic. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Jim, good to see you again. Good to see you. You're listening to Good Mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com, and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. In Gallatin, Tennessee, an elementary school science pro- uh, science experiment uh, led to 18 students and a teacher being sent to the hospital. <laughs> I don't think that was the experiment. Uh, apparently, according to the report from the school, the incident occurred during a third grade STEM activity conducted by an outside student activity group at Vena Stewart Elementary School after the experiment, which involved dry ice somehow. I don't know what the experiment was, but dry ice was involved. And after... The experiment, several students reported feeling nauseous, uh, prompting a response from the school nurse and administrators. The Gallatin Fire Department and Sumner County first responders were called in to assess and triage the situation. Um, As a precaution, 18 students and a teacher were transported to area hospitals. All have been released. Uh, They were checked out. They were released. No long-term ill effects uh, or anything like that, no serious injuries. But the And the director of the Sumner County Schools expressed gratitude to emergency crews and others for their swift response, uh, emphasizing their first priority is the safety of their students. But apparently the whole thing stemmed from the fact that dry ice, which is solid carbon dioxide, can pose risks if not handled in a well-ventilated space. And you would think, <laughs> you would think... That the people conducting the science experiment 
would know that very basic science. <laughs> but apparently, they didn't. And, uh... <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Speaking of strange things going on in school, four middle school students were hospitalized after ingesting marijuana gummies at a... At, uh, uh, Pfeiffer Middle School in Pensacon, uh, New Jersey. Pensacon, New Jersey. This happened. Four middle school students hospitalized after ingesting marijuana gummies. According to officials, the kids were reportedly zoned out when taken, taken to the hospital. Again, they're going to be fine. In a letter to parents, the superintendent claimed a student got the cannabis product from one of his or her parents. The su- the superintendent goes on to say that the district will take steps to stop students from eating anything anywhere other than the school cafeteria. <laughs> I I just thought it was interesting the, the way they uh, worded that. They're not going to eat anything other than at the cafeteria. Like they couldn't have gotten high at the cafeteria. I mean, they could have just consumed the gummies there. It seems like there's a uh, larger problem address there not necessarily school's fault but uh, it's, anyway. uh sometimes the bizarre stuff happens after school a 27 year old alabama woman by the name of rachel james has been charged with aggravated child abuse after allegedly accidentally running over her seven-year-old son with her vehicle the uh, incident occurred earlier this month when ms james who was upset about her son's disciplinary issues at school, made him walk the remaining eight blocks home from school as punishment. You get out of the car and you walk. And as a a parent, what parent hasn't at least thought about doing something like that, you know? You just get out of the car and walk. As Ms. James drove beside her son as he walked home... Apparently, he attempted to grab the door handle of the car, and she accelerated to prevent him from opening the door and jumping inside. Unfortunately, he was pulled under the car and run over by the rear title, uh, rear tire. Uh, while investigators believe it was an accident, the uh, chief of police stated that the boy wouldn't have been in that situation if he hadn't been punished. Um... Now, the mom would claim he wouldn't have been in that situation if he hadn't been misbehaving at school. But the child uh, has been treated, being treated for abrasions at the University of Alabama Hospital. Uh, he is in stable condition. Looks like he's going to be fine. Ms. James has been charged with aggravated child abuse and uh, probably is no longer in the running for mom of the year, I would think. <laughs> Not going to be mom of the year, no. Okay. <clears throat> Where the broken news this morning. Uh, what else have we got? A Florida man. You know, we have to have something from Florida, and it's usually pretty good. A Florida man allegedly caused a scene in a convenience store and then called 911 to complain about the officers who were about to arrest him. <laughs> Nicholas Taylor was accused of parking in a handicapped spot without a permit and may have been intoxicated during the incident. <laughs> I love the way they word that. May have been intoxicated. When police arrived at the convenience store, 
Officers told Mr. Taylor to find a ride or be arrested if he attempted to drive. Mr. Taylor then reportedly called 911 to complain about the officers he was speaking with. <laughs> he was promptly taken into custody and uh, now faces charges of disorderly intoxication and misuse of the 911 system. <laughs> it does seem reasonable. I mean, you know, in a call and complain <laughs> about the officers who were trying to arrest him. They're being very rude. <laughs> uh, let's see. Now, this is kind of interesting. Authorities have found a semi uh, authorities have found a semi-submersible vessel. Let's try I'm having trouble talking this morning. It's Monday. A semi-submersible vessel filled with over four tons of cocaine during a search and rescue mission off the Pacific coast of Colombia. And that's not what they were looking for, but they found a a submersible vessel with four tons of cocaine. Officers were looking for some missing fishermen when the 50-foot-long vessel was detected. This was this past Wednesday. The Colombian Navy and Air Force, as well as the Ecuadorian Navy, intercepted the so-called narco-sub during a joint operation. Officials say four people on the sub were arrested and 200 packages of different sizes and shapes ended up testing positive for cocaine. Uh, by the way, authorities are reportedly still looking for the fishermen <laughs> who are missing. They have not been found, but they did find four tons of cocaine and maybe the unluckiest drug runners in the world. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, you would think, that they, it just so happened that they were looking for missing fishermen at the time. Otherwise, probably would have gotten away with it. Just crazy bad timing right there. And finally, in the broken news this morning, the story of a Nebraska man by the name of Lucas Swarthout, who was cleaning out his vehicle's glove compartment and came across a scratch-off lottery ticket that he purchased last year. He had completely forgotten about it. Bought the lottery ticket, stuck it in the glove compartment of his truck, and completely forgot about it. So uh, apparently he had bought the Trucks and Bucks ticket from a quick stop location in North Platte, Nebraska. And uh, forgot about it until he came across it while cleaning out uh, his uh, vehicle. So he scratched it off. And lo and behold, he discovered he won the top prize. A 2023 Ford F-150 XLT 4x4 crew cab flex fuel truck. Not bad. He initially considered whether to keep the prize, but decided to go ahead and keep the truck after learning that the lottery actually not only gave him the truck, but also covers the taxes and registration fees for the vehicle. So he gets it free and clear. And now he doesn't have to clean out his old vehicle, I guess, there. That's quite a surprise. I have to go through and check my glove compartment. There you go. Uh, That is uh, today's broken news report. An update on the odd and unusual side of the headlines, we now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Do you know an exceptional teacher who's made a positive impact in your life or the life of a student? It's time to shine a bright spotlight on these educational heroes with the Finley Rotary Golden Apple Awards. Nominate your favorite teacher from Finley or Hancock County online at finleyrotary.org before April 5th. Nominate an outstanding educator for the Golden Apple Awards. 
make a difference. Honor a teacher by visiting finleyrotary.org today. This message provided by WFIN. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. Not a big surprise to learn in the February February edition of the Freedom Economy Index. This is a survey conducted by Public Square and RedBalloon.Work. Finds that many Americans are taking on second or even third jobs to make ends meet. Nearly 40% of small business owners in the survey say 30% or more of their workers have taken on a second or third job. Wages and spending power being undercut by inflation. So a lot of people working multiple jobs just to survive. And that is not showing signs of changing anytime soon, according to the folks who conducted the survey. Some other interesting insights into how Americans are working lately. 40% of employers say that their workers are job hopping from one company to the next, chasing that bigger paycheck. For small businesses in California, the employers are struggling too. For small businesses in California, just 13% report being happy keeping their doors open in the state. 67% are considering a move or wish that they could but can't afford it. Over 70% of the owners polled say crime has become a major factor for their business. 32.2% saying crime has increased significantly and 38.2% reporting it has increased slightly where their businesses are located. In fact, one in four in the survey say they have either closed a location and or moved as a result. And more than 22% of small business owners say crime has led them to consider moving their operation to another location. Um, Which just mirrors... Exactly what we are seeing in terms of the political hot-button stories right now. If you wonder why this is such a big story in the news and in the presidential campaign, you can see it playing out right here in the survey. So finally this morning, uh, we are coming off what is supposed to be the most romantic week of the year. Last week, of course, Valentine's Day landing right in the middle of the week. All of the romance, all of the love in the air. And maybe, just maybe, over the weekend, uh, maybe you had a second date with uh, someone special that you met uh, right on Valentine's Day or, or what have you. And so this is still very, very timely coming off of Valentine's Day week. Uh, The fact that dating apps and social media platforms where many people meet that special someone these days, they have also become a favorite domain of scam artists using matchmaking services to separate unsuspecting victims from their money and sometimes even worse. Claire McHenry is with us this morning. She is the president of the North American Securities Administrators Association to share some of the warning signs and tips to protect yourself from these romance scams. And Claire, first of all, explain how one of these typical schemes work. So a romance scam is someone who's using the promise of a romantic relationship in order to build trust with you. 
And then once they build that trust, they start to ask for money or for you to invest in something. It can start pretty small, but the amounts of money can grow pretty big over time. We even know that this is a big problem. According to the Federal Trade Commission, consumers reported losses of $3.8 billion in investment-related scams in just 2022. Wow. Wow. Uh, And the end game, as you mentioned, is usually to take someone's money. But as you mentioned, it can be even worse than that. You could be facing identity theft and, you know, any number of ways in which people can be taken advantage of here. That's correct. They're looking to take advantage of you and usually to take your money. <laughs> yeah. The the other thing that I think is particularly scary about romance scams in particular is that a lot of times these aren't just quick hit types of scams, unlike where you get a call out of the blue from someone pretending to be the sheriff or the IRS who says you got to send money right now or we're going to arrest you. These are more slow burn scams that can take a while to fully develop. So they are looking to build that relationship of trust with you. So But once that trust is established, they are trying to take that money and to get you in to invest in something. And it can start a number of ways. It can start over text or social media or a message on a dating app. And they're going to use whatever trick they have, fake photos, fake profiles, and fake stories in order to get you interested. And because this takes a while to develop like this, and like you said, building that trust... You know, you don't really recognize it uh, as readily because you think, hey, I know this person, I trust this person, but you really can't. There are a number of warning signs that we do see when it comes to romance scams, but it can be hard for someone to recognize them. But usually it's excuses not to meet in person. They'll talk about how they like to travel or that they work really far away. Or they may brag about how wealthy and successful they are, including how they manage their money and the investments that they make. Are there other warning signs uh, to to watch for that would give you an indication that maybe not everything is on the up and up? They'll definitely pressure you for money. They may even threaten to end the relationship if they are not giving that money. Mm. And they want you to keep it secret. They definitely don't want you to talk to anyone else or get an outside opinion. So they'll tell you that... It's just for a few people. And they want you to act right away. They'll use your fear of missing out uh, and on the next big thing against you. But when it comes to some of these investment schemes, left out is the best place to be. Yeah, yeah, no question. And I thought it was also interesting, you point out that mm, the people who are most vulnerable to these scams are not necessarily who you might think they would be. Who do you find... Uh, is most likely to fall for these? Anyone can fall for any of these types of scams. Um, But what we are seeing is that older investors are particularly targeted for these types of scams. When we see that someone's making, using a dating app, we're telling them to use it to find love, but not financial advice. So we talk about some of the warning signs, who's vulnerable, how these things work. How do people then protect themselves? Knowledge is power when it comes to romance scams. Do your research on the person and the the investment that they're pitching. Ask a ton of questions. And it's really important that if you don't understand the answers, it's okay to walk away and not invest. We also just tell people, keep your guard up. When it comes to romance, people should be looking to get to know you and not asking for money. You can also ask to check out their background. You can go to nasa.org. That's N-A-S-A-A.org to contact your state securities regulator 
we have information about registered financial professionals and sometimes even about the investment itself. That again, the North American Securities Administrators Association. And if we find that Maybe we have encountered one of these, maybe have lost uh, money uh, to one of these scams. Uh, obviously, the other thing that we always say, when you find you've been taken, report it. That uh, makes it so much uh, easier to you know, hopefully track these down and, and put a stop to them. That's absolutely right. We also encourage you to stop giving more money. Sometimes we find that people continue to give money even if they find out that it's a romance scam. Mm. You should absolutely contact your local authorities, and you can contact your state securities regulator. Again, you can find that contact information at nasa.org. And again, we're talking about this in the context of Valentine's Day because this is top of mind for everyone, but obviously this can happen any time of year. And I guess one could argue that it would be even more likely to happen uh, some other time of the year when you would least expect it. We do see that these types of romance scams can happen any time. We see that that when people feel vulnerable and lonely that they can be, become the victim. Yeah. So it can happen around the holidays or any time that they're feeling lonely. Again, Claire McHenry is president of the North American Securities Administrators Association talking about romance scams, uh, what to do if you think you are confronted with one of these. Uh, you mentioned the website where folks can get more information, more advice and tips. So let's mention that one more time, Claire. That's nasa.org, N-A-S-A-A.org. Very important stuff to know this morning. Claire, thanks very much for uh, taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you. And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program, of course. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the show at our webpage. Check us out online at goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, is the Biden administration really out to ban gas-powered vehicles? The EPA denies that, but the Association of American Fuel and Petrochemical Manufacturers argue that there is no other way to interpret their proposed strict new emissions rules. We'll take a closer look. Plus, it's almost here. We'll get details on the annual Kiwanis Pancake Day event. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.